This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. Tonight I'm joined by uh, two special guests. Uh, we're here to talk about their current project. First of all, we have Jean Bodie. Welcome, Jean. Thank you. And we have Michelle Spencer. Thank you, John, and for having us. My pleasure. Well, podcast listeners know both of you because you both appeared in the in the Shadow of the Temple documentary that uh, we interviewed Dennis and the filmmakers a few months ago. Is that right? That's correct. Good memory. And is that where you both uh, uh, met, or did you know each other before that? We both knew each other before. We actually were in the same ward for a number of years. Oh, really? Yes. Tell us about uh, what you're doing now. What, what project are you working on? We're working on a petition to the church, a very respectful petition, I think, asking them to drop the one-year waiting penalty that couples have uh, when they choose to be married civilly, because it's a very divisive issue in their families. It can be a divisive issue. Because the church is a missionary church, they have a lot of part member um, families. It used to be different when the church was just in Salt Lake City and environs, but today with the church spreading out throughout the world, you have so many uh, part member families. And when they uh, make a rule like that, that you uh, can't, uh, you should be married in the temple, and you learn that all the way from primary on. Uh, and then by the time you get to the age where you are ready to get married, that's part and parcel of everything that you believe, everything that you've been taught. And so you um, you get married in the temple and leave out your non-member uh, family because they can't go into the temple. And what we're asking the church to do is to waive the one-year waiting penalty when uh, a couple chooses to keep peace within their family. So what inspired the two of you to take up this cause? Well, I left the church in early 2007. And... Um, I have four children that are being, still being raised Mormon because their their dad is Mormon. And after I left the church, you know, a, a little while later, it became very apparent to me that should my kids be raised in the LDS church and um, should they choose to follow all of, um, you know, the, the dictates that they were, they were taught as being LDS, that I would not be able to be at their weddings and at the same time um, I came across a post and it was written by a, a father who had um, who was being uh, left outside for his second child's uh, wedding he was not able to attend because he was a part member family and the title of that post was sitting outside on the steps again and reading that it just about just broke my heart and uh, you know it was it was a very heart-wrenching it was a very sad mental picture that it gave me and it foreshadowed something for me that I knew would be really hard to take and I knew it would be very painful and um, should my kids you know choose to leave me out of that very special moment moment something that I that I look forward to you know Growing when they're growing up, something that I think I sh just like their graduation or um, you know any special events in their lives. I as a as a mom, I am I I am I'm going to be there. It's just a given, and so that is sort of what inspired me to do this petition. Okay, so is this something you have been uh, you two have been bouncing around long, or is this something that just uh, recently? came up what was kind of the genesis of the project well um, this this event that Michelle told you about we were both on a particular support group 
where we read that story. And, um, and both of us talked about it together because I could see that happening to Michelle down the road. And um, I also have seven grandchildren who are still active members of the church. And um, they're getting to an age where they're going to be getting married and I won't be able to attend their weddings either. I don't want to intrude on their the sacred part, the sacred to them, uh, the ceiling. I don't have any expectation of being there, but of being there when they get married. You know, we have these um, maybe very romantic notions, but as women especially, we are very touched when we watch a young couple that are in love and making those commitments to each other. We, we listen for the nuances in their voices and the way that they look at each other and... Um, Afterwards, we talk about it and say, did you see how he winked at her at that particular time? And it's just a very, very special family occasion for people that love the couple. And it just seemed to me such a dreadful thing to be left out of that and unnecessary. Um, because I'm from England, you might be able to tell that, but um, I've been over in Canada for a long time. And back in England, they still have to have a civil ceremony first because it's legal. Uh, I mean, it would be illegal not to do it that way. So they have the civil ceremony, and then they go off to the temple. So um, over a year ago, I was able to go to um, my niece's wedding and um, watch all of those lovely things, you know, watch the tender expressions on their faces, and be part of it with my family, and I loved every minute of it. And then they had a short reception, and then they went off to be sealed in the London temple. And I think that's the thing. in. In the church, the sealing and the marriage have become one and the same thing, and they're not. One is a legal arrangement, and the other one is um, a religious occasion. And so if they want to leave me out of the religious occasion, because I no longer believe what they believe, that's just fine. But I would be very hurt to be left out of their actual wedding. I'm thinking especially on the Wasatch Front, where the, you know, the wedding is so ingrained with the culture... If this change were made the way you're suggesting in the petition, how would the weddings play out? What what would happen in a typical day? Well, in a typical day, um, just like it happens in, in other countries, really, where it's required by law for them to have a civil ceremony, in a typical day on the Wasatch Front, the wedding, the civil ceremony would take place. And then, you know, the couple would be carted off to the temple to do the sealing. And uh, the fact that the, the church has taken a universally unique civil ceremony and turned it into a religious rite that excludes people like myself, that excludes part myself that's, that's not a member, that excludes uh, part member families, whether that, that is a mom or a dad or a sister or a friend, you know, it's, it's just so very um, divisive. On a, on, a, on a special day like that, that you have to divide people into categories and say, Dad, you can come in, but Mom, sorry, you know, you can't. And so th that's kind of what it would be on a typical day. Um, it, and it would be very, very simple. It would be very, very easy to do. We're not asking, John, for um, couples who want to do it the way that it's been done on the Wasatch Front. If they want to do it that way, they should have that option to do that. What we're asking for is choice without any repercussions. And so if they did um, remove that one-year penalty, then people are going to feel like they have a choice. You know, then, then it removes that stigma because what the one-year penalty does, I mean, you're, you're Mormon, you know that, you know that the people who do not, who have a, a chapel wedding or a, 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 a gym wedding as opposed to a, a ceiling. And you know the thoughts that go through your head when somebody doesn't get married in the temple. It's a huge stigma in Mormonism where um, values like uh, chastity are, are, are touted and are held very highly. And so removing that penalty will remove that stigma for a lot of people. And it will give them a real choice and a real choice that is free of that stigma and that's free of the judgments. And free of the penalty. And free of the penalty, that's correct. Yeah, for our listeners who we kind of jumped into the discussion who might not be as familiar, 
Um, of course, Mormons are sealed, uh, which includes the wedding ceremony inside the temple, and only people who have temple recommends are allowed to go witness the sealing. And the church has had a long-standing policy, I don't know how long, but it's been for quite some time, that if you choose to get civilly married, for whatever reason, be it legitimate or not, um, the church imposes a one-year moratorium before you're allowed to go get a sealing. And it highly discourages that practice among the youth and other unmarried couples. So the church puts a lot of weight on getting that sealing at the same time that you're married um, civilly. Thank you for explaining that, John. Yeah, I, I always I always forget and, and just jump right in. Uh, so let, let me, you know, I think back to my temple marriage, and um, we had lots of plans made. You know, we had our big reception and all of our family, and most of our family could attend. There wasn't really anybody who was being left out. I, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, that that's wrong. Um, my wife's um, grandparents were left out. Um, we um, planned all of our reception and all that sort of stuff, and the temple was very important to us. We were very much believers, but we went into the temple. Um, they immediately split us up from our family. We, you know, we got dressed in our temple clothes, and then we sat and waited in another room, and then we were ushered into the room, and we, you know, we smiled and waved at people. We had this ceremony that was performed by a man we'd never met before. The man gave a 30-minute lectury sort of talk, and I don't remember a word he said. Uh, we didn't know him. We didn't know anything about him. He was an old man. It was kind of rambly. He um, performed the sealing. The sealing itself took about five minutes. Um, we gave everybody hugs, then walked out into another room, and we weren't with our family till we got outside the temple. The only reason I say this long-winded sort of story is, short of the c ceremony of the temple, the rest of it was sort of insignificant. So if you allow the um, individuals to get married outside the temple, does the church risk um, making that not as valuable to the to the individuals? It, meaning it becomes more like a just an, an afterthought. Or I guess put another way, does the church sort of force this in a way to instill meaning to that temple ceremony? Well, and then the question should be asked, does it take away from the significance of those people who get sealed after a civil ceremony in other countries? And I think the answer is clearly no. Maybe, perhaps it will make it even more special because if it's not an addendum to a civil ceremony, for that couple, if they, you know, being taught their whole life how important a sealing is, then going off after a civil ceremony to perform that religious rite makes it even more special for them. So that's another way of looking at it. Yeah, I have another um, thought on that too, John, is um, if you um, set aside a special day to go to the temple without all the hoopla of the wedding and the flowers and the cake and is everything going okay and all of that stuff, if it has its own special day, then I think it is more special. I think that there's a lot of things on a bride and groom's mind which we won't mention here, but um, they, they are not, um, they're not focusing on the ceiling on that day. I don't mean to say that you cannot focus, but your focus is definitely divided on a day like that. And I think having its own day would be a wonderful thing. If that's what you believe, making a special day, some people have done it on the anniversary of their wedding. I do believe that a couple should go to the temple when they are ready, not when the church tells them they should go. Well, I, I think that's a really true point, and that's kind of what I was getting out in a roundabout sort of way. You know, I think back to my wedding, and there was so much going on, the reception and families and wearing the tux and um, getting the dress and the flowers. And, the, and because we did it all together, the ceiling was just one more thing in a long list of things we were doing from dusk till dawn. And I've had the privilege of attending some with some couples who were sealed later, and it was a much more, shall I say, spiritual experience because it was much more focused just on that sealing. Um, Gene, kind of like what you're saying, and the church might actually gain quite a bit by separating it, um, even by days. Yeah, it's usually by days in those other countries. They, they give them a certain amount of time. I believe in England, if you're close enough, you have to go the same day, 
which does make it an addendum and it does make it a really, really long day. But having talked to my uh, sister, who's a member in England, the one whose um, daughter got married, the wedding I went to, uh, they like the way that it happens in their country. They might like an extra day to get to the temple, I'm not sure, but they're told that they have a day, I think. But, but they, she likes it, that they can be married civilly so that all of her family can be there because um, my sister, there's four of us in our family, and only uh, my youngest sister is still a member of the church. The other two never did join. It was, it was me at first. And so um, she got to have her non-member sisters and their partners and um, their kids who aren't members. We have all of these people that um, were able to attend the wedding. And she didn't feel like she had to leave anybody out. And then those who were uh, members who had a temple recommend went off to the temple for the sealing. And that was very nice for them. And everybody got to do what they wanted to do. Nobody was missed. No hurt feelings. I, I think that's the way to go. So we've, we've had some really sad stories, John, from people whose feelings have been so um, devastated by being left out, being called unworthy even, being told that they're not worthy to attend the temple because they don't have the same beliefs. I've heard it argued by those, by some people in the church that it's a huge motivator um, to have those temple ceremonies there that only the worthy can attend because it inspires people to live more worthy lives. It inspires them to keep the commandments. How would you respond to that? And, and well, what do you mean by worthy, really? Well, I'm, you know, I'm just using the church's, the church's words here, however they yes. define it. Yes. And I understand that you're using the church's work, the church's words. And my goal is not to let unworthy members into um, into the temple, unworthy as as defined by by Mormonism. But um, and then you're you, that's only speaking to a very uh, small segment of the people who are excluded. You're speaking to the inactives here now. And what about the people though who aren't members? Are they supposed to join join the church and become worthy, you know, just so that they could attend? Um, John, do you think we should define what worthy is in um, LDS terminology? Sure. So to go to the temple, you have to have a temple recommend. And to have a temple recommend, you have to be a member for at least a year. You have to pay a full tithing, which is generally defined as 10% of your income. Um, no sex outside marriage. Um, you have to obey your church leaders, uh, fulfill your callings, and you can't uh, smoke or drink. Those are the main things. Uh, you guys have anything to add to the list? You can't have tea or coffee either. Yes, no tea or right? coffee. Tea or coffee. So we, they call that the word of wisdom, the alcohol, the tobacco, the tea and coffee, um, and you also, um, hmm, sorry, I lost the thought. Go ahead, you, you, need, you, you also need to declare that the church is the only true church upon the face of the earth, and that you believe that your, your current prophet or the head of your church is the mouthpiece of God, pretty much, on, on, on earth today. Those, those are some additional things that you have to declare. Yes, and to get the temple recommend, you must um, submit to a worthiness interview at least. I think it's uh, biannually now to get the recommend. Yeah. You have to sit before your bishop and sit before your stake president, both men. You have to sit mm -hmm. in private with them and answer whatever personal question they throw at you. Yes. And they have and, a... And, go ahead, go ahead. And so sort of to, to re rephrase that question... Um, and to put in a little bit of a bit of perspective, it's almost as if this worthiness thing is being held as a as a ransom for people who maybe cannot live up to the standards of the church, or for those who choose not to, you know, um, abide by these standards, or those who cannot, in all honesty, uh, proclaim that the church is the one true true church on the earth. You're holding that as a ransom to them, and um, you want him for them to be able to declare these things in order to witness 
a marriage, the marriage of your children. That does not seem, it doesn't seem quite very ethical. Now, Jean and Michelle, neither of you are members anymore. Is that right? You've both resigned? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's take the, uh, the uh, side of the, the believers here for a second. I, I think there's people out there who will say, well, neither of you believe in um, temple marriage um, for obvious reasons. Uh, you left the church. So your real goal, they might say, is not necessarily to, you know, um, bring in the these people with hurt feelings. You really want to uh, just sort of, you you want to bring the whole thing down. They might say that you're really not interested in a, in a in a truce here. You're you're really not interested in preserving the ceilings at all. How would you respond to that accusation? Well, to that I would ask, how would um, this petition, you know, that will pretty much uh, help families heal. It would help it so that on that special day, there doesn't have to be a division. It would it would take away the stigma that uh, is associated with uh, not getting married inside the temple. How is this going to bring the church down? That would be my question to them. In what way would helping to promote that harmony and that togetherness in a family bring the church down? You would think that it would be a goodwill gesture that doesn't have to be, um, you know, kind of drawn out of the church. Or you would think that the church wouldn't have to be compelled to remove, to remove that penalty. And they would do it out of the compassion of, uh, compassion of their heart. And, you know, like I said, make it a goodwill gesture like that. That's, that's not going to, I think that's going to foster more goodwill for the church and help people to see it in a better light. Um, John, also, um, some of the people that we've been um, contacted by are members of other religions who have been left out. I don't know if you're aware that there's a group, I think it's called Help the Mormons Have My Child or something like that. Their, their kids join the church and then they end up going on missions, they come back and they get married and they get married in the temple and those Lutherans or Catholics or whatever are unable to witness their child's wedding. And I really, I, I am a humanitarian, uh, not just a former Mormon. I've, there's a lot to me besides that. And Michelle mentioned that in uh, Dennis and Karen's film, In the Shadow of the Temple. We're more than just Mormons or more than just former Mormons. We are people with passionate interests. And we have this definite interest in being able to be at our children's or grandchildren's um, wedding ceremonies. But we also have recognized that there's a lot of pain out there that could be healed by the church. And we've suffered a lot of pain since leaving the church, both of us. Um, I have um, children that don't speak to me because I don't believe what they believe anymore. And um, so... We're not, we're not out there to put, to drag the church down, but we're out there to try and get them to realize that people leave because of these draconian policies and, um, people leave because they, they don't want to, uh, live up to the standards and they shouldn't be forced to. Joseph Smith said, we teach them correct principles and they govern themselves. Well, that is certainly not so today. I don't know what it was like back in his time, but it's not like that today. You, uh, you really, I mean, those interviews are very invasive, in my opinion. They're very, very invasive. And, um, I don't, I think that when a young couple is going out together and they're tempted to, um, touch each other inappropriately or whatever, and to have to sit in front of a bishop and confess to that, I think is hurtful. And um, so I don't want people to be hurt. Uh, so I'm not out to bring the church down. I'm out to try to try to get some positive changes. Yeah, those questions. Um, technically, the stake president and the bishop are limited to 14 questions. I think it's 14 these days. And um, there's no requirement um, that they ask more. However, you know, based on my experience, when we were in, in, at university, um, we uh, when we were dating before my wife and I were married, 
that one one um, member of the stake presidency, it wasn't our bishop, asked us both some very, very sexually explicit questions, uh, ones that I could not repeat here. And that was just on his own thing. And we had no, you know, there was no appeal. There was nothing we could do. We couldn't refuse to answer them, of course, because then we wouldn't get our temple recommend. And even if we did, then who would we take that issue to? So, yeah, there is a, there's a, there's a, uh, a strong influence, maybe for the negative, that they have to ho- hold that whole ceremony ho- over you with. Okay, um, the the qu- the question I have here now is, well, let me let me let me take a step back. When we got married, um, all of my family was in the church for the most part. Um, everybody I was close to, so it wasn't really an issue for me who could come. But as I mentioned before, my wife, her parents were converts. So all of her extended family, her grandparents, her aunts, um, and those sort of people could not attend the ceremony. Um, and it never struck me as anything, I'm ashamed to say. I, I didn't really fret over it very much. Um, some of them were there, and they just waited outside. Um, it wasn't until a- after I sort of left the church that I had an opportunity to sit down with some of those people. And... I could really, at that point, understand how hurtful it was, even for them to not be able to see the, the ceremony of their granddaughter. And I'm ashamed to say that we didn't give it much thought. So um, the question is, when I look back at myself, I mean, this sort of thing would never have um, penetrated my head. I just wouldn't have thought about it. Um, and now I can see the other side. I can see how hurtful and how damaging and how divisive it can be. So... What's the best way for us to get that message across, I guess? Uh, funny you should mention that. Because the same thing happened to me, actually. My, my, my sister was the only one that could afford to fly. I'm from the Caribbean, originally. And she was the only one that could afford to fly all the way to Alberta for my wedding. I was married in the Cardston Temple. And I knew that my sister was coming, but it didn't even cross my mind to perhaps have a ceremony where the only representative from my family could be there. And there are seven kids, my mom and dad. And, um, you know, it just, I was getting married in the temple. There was just no question about it. It was what I was taught. It was what I looked forward to all my life. It was what I was conditioned to do. And now, looking back... (laughs) You know, I'm looking at all the pictures of all the people. I don't even know some of the people that were there in that room. And and looking at the picture pictures of my sister outside of the temple, and, and it just makes me think, what state of mind was I in at the time that would lead me to make such a decision? And like you say, you don't you don't even think anything of it. And then it's just not until you're able to leave, because I mean, when your experience is you know experience. To me, it means nothing. It's when you're able to put those experiences into perspective. That's when you begin to learn, and that's when the light goes on, and that's when the knowledge comes, and that's when the wisdom comes, and that's when you're able to see your, you know, your errors and where you might have gone wrong. And so, being able to be, step out of the church and just to look back at my experiences that I had with it, within it. And put those into perspective. I am, you know, ashamed of some of those those type of decisions that I made that I made then, that seemed very perfectly normal to me at the time, but were very hurtful to, to others. We um, we have a tendency, I think, um, to judge others because there's such a high standard expected of members of the uh, Mormon Church that. Um, the standard is too high for most people to live, even, but we, we knock ourselves out trying to do it. And we, we tend to expect that from other people, too. Well, well Jean, and there again, I'm going to disagree here. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I really, Jean, you lived the standards when you were there. Oh, I did. I did, too. I don't think the standards are too high for, 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 for most people to live. The problem comes in, in when you are denied certain things, should you choose not to live those standards? Or should you say, I have a or, or you say, or I you disagree. Say, I, I disagree. And so it's a very Orwellian, um, you know, Orwellian practice. That, and so, yeah, I think 
I had no problems whatsoever living the Mormon standards. Now, what what I was trying to say is that when we tend to, to judge others the same by the same standards that we have as Mormons, um, we we don't think of their feelings. We're not thinking about leaving them out of weddings and how they might feel. We're just going, well, this is the right way. This is this is what I've been taught. This is the correct way to do it. And if they're not Mormons or they're not worthy, well, you know, that's their problem. And that that's harsh, isn't it? It's judgmental. That, that was what I meant by mm -hmm. judgment. You know, we, mm -hmm. we tend to do that. I had none of my family members at um, the temple either, John, um, because I was at that time, I was the only member of the church in my family. And um, they were in England. And this was my second marriage when I married in the temple to my husband. And um, so, like, none of them were able to come. And if they had, they would have had to have sat in, well, the visitor center or whatever, because they couldn't have come into the temple. Can you imagine flying all the way from England or the Caribbean to go to a wedding and then not being able to attend, not being able to see it? Yes. Um now, we talked a little bit about something like a ring ceremony. Um, I know one of the objections to this, to, to something like what you two are trying to accomplish, is that they might say, well, the church allows you to have a sort of quasi-civil ceremony afterwards. If you want to have a ring-exchanging ceremony, or you want to do something like that, that that's allowed for in the Handbook of Instructions. How would you respond to that? We want the real thing. That is how I would respond to that. We want we to see want that to look be, in their eyes. We want to be yeah. included in the real thing and not some show that you put on to make it seem like to pacify, to pacify us. Yeah. Yeah, I have to admit, I've been to a couple of those ring ceremonies and in, in, my, in my limited experience, they've all been kind of awkward. Like nobody, yeah. nobody sort of knows what to do. Yeah, because there's no standard format for it, like there is for weddings. If you go to weddings from other religions, they they celebrate it. We've got to post uh, a story from a man that is now on our website, and um, it's awesome. It's from a guy in Holland who's an active member of the church, and he's talking about how they love their weddings and the special buildings that are set aside in Holland, the, you know, old historical buildings that are beautiful inside for wedding, wedding ceremonies to take place. And that's what they do. They have their beautiful wedding with everybody there. And then they have their special day to go to the temple. And he talks about how awesome that is to be able to do that and how much they value their, their um, temple ceremony later. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, it's, it's just, it's just not, fair, and I know that sounds like a dumb thing to say, it's not fair that in other countries that require a civil ceremony first, they get to have it that way. They get to invite people. They don't have to divide their families up. But people in North America, and now South Africa, we've just found out, has done away with the civil ceremony first. Um, we only just found that out today, actually, um, that, you know, they, they are denied having all of their family there. Because it's very rare that you're going to find a whole, complete family where everybody can attend unless you have a civil ceremony. Somebody's going to be unworthy by church standards or... Um, or, an, or a non-member. Or a non-member or something. You're going to find that in families these days. And it's just so cruel to leave them out because of those little issues. They're not huge. But I'm not saying leave them out of the temple. And I, would, I do want to stress that again, because we've had responses from people who think that what we're saying is they should allow uh, non-members into the temple. And that is some ideas that some people have, but that's not an idea that we are promoting. That's not what we're asking for in the petition, okay? So I really want to make that clear. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, um, You're only asking for the allowance of the civil ceremony outside of the temple. You That's know, right, with any repercussions. There is um, actually precedence for this sort of change. I, I don't know if either of you are aware, but in the old days, uh, not that long ago, maybe 30, 40 years ago, um, the women were required to do their endowment 
um, on the same day as their temple ceremony so that right before the um, temple ceremony, her new husband could bring her through the veil. And it was very, very common for women to go through the temple for the first time. For example, my mother did that, where they would take out their endowment, get drawn through the veil, and then go to the temple ceremony. And at the time, of course, the temple ceremony was even longer, um, so this would be a, a four- or five-hour ordeal. Um, so the church has lo- loosened that up to allow women now to actually do their endowment and have their um, husband um, take her through the veil just just right prior to the um, wedding ceremony. Right. So Yeah, when my husband and I got married, that was um, 35 years ago, uh, that was the way that it went. But we went to the temple the week before uh, so that I could receive my endowment. And then a week later, we had the wedding. So then I wasn't, um, my brain wasn't all scrambled with all of the stuff to do with the endowment and the wedding as well. And somebody had suggested that to me, that that would be a good idea to do it on separate days. And and it was a good idea because I was able to concentrate better on what was happening in the endowment. And that's the same thing that we're asking for now is do it on a different day and allow each ceremony to stand on its own for the people who um, care about that part of the ceremony. So now I've, it's been a while since I've, I've been out of the church for a few years now, so I know my mind is changing. But um, this seems like such an obvious thing to me. <laughs> Why do you think that the church hasn't done this already? I mean, it seems so simple and such a, an easy solution. Why, why do you think it's, it's 2009 and they still haven't done it? Well, that's a good question. I think I want Michelle to answer this one. I don't know that I can answer it. I mean, they have their reasons. I can only speculate as to their reasons. Uh, but um, there, there's a lot of uh, control issues, I think, that are, that are involved. And I've heard before, you know, from, from, from the authorities from the church that should you do it any other way than allowing um, people to be married that have, in the temple, that have a, a, a temple recommend, that perhaps that would, that would lead to a lot more uh, chastity problems. Maybe perhaps couples aren't going to, you know, take it seriously. They know they can fool around and, and still get married civilly, plus get their ceiling a year later. But, you know, you, you think of this and you think of all the years that you grew up in the church, attend church every Sunday, attend uh, seminary, did your, went through all of the programs, read every single new era and every single enzyme and all the instruction that you receive. The church has to be able to trust its members to adhere to all these hours and hours and hours of teaching that they have um, that they have instilled in, instilled in them from, from very little. And so to think that people are all of a sudden going to, um, you know, drop their morals and their values and not be temple worthy just because they have to wait for, you know, a day or a few hours or a few or, or a few weeks before they can be sealed at this civil ceremony. It's not giving those people, it's not giving your members a lot of credit for all of the hours of instruction and values that, that you try to instill, instill in them. That's the reason that they that they're they're willing to give. That's true. It, it might be a little naive too to think that everybody who's going through the temple um, has kept their chastity belt on the whole time. That's correct. Yeah, I, I'm, I am aware of people that lie to their bishop and their stake president about their worthiness. Um, I didn't. I didn't lie because I, I was, um, I was so into the church that I felt like if the bishop asked me a question, I had to tell him the truth. So it didn't matter how personal it was, I would tell the truth. And I didn't know how people could go to interviews with the bishop and not own up to the things that he was asking them. I, it was just beyond me to, to do something like that. And now I look at it and I go, what right did they have to know that? In fact, <laughs> I, 
I have I have a friend who made a, a comment about that. The, the bishop asked him a particular question, and he said, "I can't think how that could possibly um, benefit you to know that." <laughs> that was his response to the bishop. And uh, and I thought I wish I'd had the courage to say those kinds of things and not think that this man was in some really elevated position so that um, he had the right or that he would know if I was telling him lies. But that's what I thought was that he he would know if I told a lie. So I didn't tell lies to my bishop. I I told the truth. And the fact that some people would would tell a lie just to get that piece of paper it speaks um, to the real fear of the stigma that is attached to not having that temple wedding and not having um, you know that piece of that, that piece of paper that says you're worthy it, it just speaks to, to, to the real fear that they have of lose, losing their social status within the group that they belong to and uh, there's a point that needs to be made you know because some people say oh We'll give, um, it's their choice whether or not they, 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 they want to choose to be married inside or outside of the temple. And I remember after I, I had left the church and my husband and I were talking about this and, and I, we, were, we were trying to, to make a lot of compromises in this now, you know, new sort of marriage that we had at the time. And I said, I said to him, I need to be able to witness my children's marriages. And my children need to know that. And I was really quite firm about that. And he said, well, I, we, don't, we really don't have any control over that. It's going to be their choice. And I had read enough and I had gained enough perspective from my Mormon experience to realize that, no, it really isn't their choice. That choice has been made for them already. And they're just going to follow what they've been taught, you know, all of their lives. From the cradle to the grave. From the, absolutely. They're just, they're just going to do it. And if I sit back here, being a former member, and think that they really have a free choice, then I'm being really quite naive about the whole thing. And um, because there is this, the, the, that stigma attached to that choice, then it's not really a free choice. You cannot call it a free choice if they're threatened with the loss of something that they deem important to them. And removing the one-year penalty, then it will be a free choice. Then you remove that penalty, and none of my four children in their right minds would choose to be married in the temple and leave me, their loving mother, out of that ceremony, then it will be a free choice. Okay, so if people want to help, um, what's the way to get involved at this stage? Um, well, we have our, um, our website up, and it's um, very easy to understand. I think we've had lots of compliments on how well it's set up, and I hope it is. Um, can you give out the uh, website address? Please. Okay, it's um, www.templeweddingpetition.org. Okay, and what's the next thing for you? I mean, uh, what's, what's your timeline, and, and, uh, and how are you moving forward with this? Um, well, when we first started in 2007, that was when we were spinning our wheels. You know, we were just like, the church isn't true. Oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. We were just spinning our wheels. We didn't know what to do. And um, so we started this petition um, because of our hurt feelings and thinking about this other, this man that was sitting on the steps of the temple. And uh, so we started the petition, but it really didn't go anywhere because we didn't know what to do. And we had our heads stuck in books, um, Bushman and whatever, whatever, trying to um, learn all that we could learn. And so it, it didn't go anywhere for the time being. But, but now we've had um, David Vanderleek. Uh, step up to the plate, bless him, and he has, um, he's our webmaster, and he's been helping us with so many things too. He's done an awesome job. And so now, now we have the website, we have some, um, videos on YouTube, 
and on the website. They're the same ones. If people don't want to go to the website, they can go to YouTube and just um, put in Temple Wedding Petition, and they can they can look at that. Uh, Michelle, in 2007, 2007, I was going to say, she went door to door to her neighbors, um, giving them the, the uh, understanding and asking them how they felt about it and getting them to sign the petition too. So we're, we're getting the paper copies starting to come in now because it takes uh, a, week to, a week to two weeks before they arrive from the U.S. And that's where we're getting a lot of response is from the U.S. But there's obviously more Mormons down there than there is up here. And um, we, we've had a response from somebody who worked at a temple, who works at a temple, who, who said that the policy was divisive and she was on board with it. So there are LDS members who are willing to help even with it, willing to push it forward. But some of them, so one of them that I sent an email to, to ask him personally, just said, take me off your mailing list. Um, so he wasn't even willing to give it the time of day. So we're moving forward with all of these things. The petitions are starting to roll in now. And um, and the main thing is that we, we want... Of course, we want the petitions to come in, but we want to raise that awareness. Because one of the things that became very apparent to me when I went door to door in 2007 and, and knocked on my neighbor's doors, I did that for a couple hours one day, and I got about 40 signatures. Everybody signed that petition except for one person. But one of the things that became very apparent to me was um, people had no idea that this was happening. You know, it was like, what do you mean you can't, you're not allowed to witness your child's uh, wedding ceremony. This is North America. This is 2007. It was just, just so nobody knew, nobody knew about it. You know, of course they'd heard about Mormons and they knew about the cop, not drinking the coffee and, and the alcohol and that sort of stuff. But um, people don't know, and it's sort of an, an injustice. And if it, you know, if you look at it in in, in a certain light, it it can be seen as a form of religious discrimination that, that is happening. And so we just really want to raise awareness. Religions need to be um, one. You know, uh, I've heard people say before, we all worship the same God. Well, I'm not sure if that's true, but, um, but certainly Christians claim to worship the same God. And to have Christians being divided against other Christians over issues like this, is um is not very good um, PR for the church. I th I think that if they want to go mainstream, which seems to be what they've been doing lately, they've been um uh you know dropping some of the older practices and and trying to be more forward thinking. If they want to do that, they need and get along with the other religions. They need to stop that one year penalty uh, for the couple, so that that couple can say. Okay, my mom, who's a Lutheran, can come. My grandmother, who's a Pentecostal, can come. Everybody can come to my wedding. That's the wedding itself. And then I can go with my partner to the temple and have the sealing ceremony that is special to Mormons. And they do that for a baptism. You know, there's another landmark in, in, in a person's life. They allow whoever wants to be there. They can be there. And so to take, take, in fact, they even encourage you to bring your yes. non-member relatives and friends to a baptism. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a very complicated issue, and we can't speak for the church and know what their reasons are, but it seems to be very arbitrary because in other countries it can be practiced with a civil ceremony first and then going to the temple if the law requires it. And so it, it can't possibly be doctrine. Otherwise, they would have to do it the same way there that they do here. And we talked about the reasons before, you know, why the church might have these policies. And as Jean said, you know, we can't, we can't speak for the church. We don't know what all the reasons for reasons are. But just because people have um, reasons for their actions does not mean that it, it's a valid reason that should go unchallenged. Yeah. Um, Michelle is from the Caribbean, right? So, so she's she's a black girl. She's gorgeous, and uh, and and um, 
she made a point one time when she said that, you know, if somebody hadn't fought for the rights of black people, she wouldn't be where she is today. You know, they, did, they didn't used to consider that black people had souls even. Do you have anything to add to that, Michelle? Yeah. It was that. If you go to, to the petition's website, there's a few clips on there that you can see, and I spoke about this a little bit. You know, and um, the interviewer asked, why why are we doing this? Some people would say, you know, like the, the person that did not sign the petition, his re he said, do you know how many Mormons there are in the United States and how much money they have? He, and he had Mormon clients, you know. And I thought, you know what? I'm sure that all of the activists that have fought for so many rights in the past have heard the same thing, you know. Um, I won't be able to vote. I won't be able to own property. I'd still be the property of my husband. I, you know, like Jean said, I wouldn't have a soul if it wasn't for these people who stepped up to the plate and were able to bat. And I'm batting for all those people who are who have a real fear of speaking out, who have a, a who live, you know, in the Mormon corridor and Smile politely when they're told that uh, I'm getting married in the temple, Dad or Mom, and I can't be there. They smile politely and say, I'm happy for you, but deep down inside, they're suffering. And I'm the one who's stepping up to the plate and fighting for those people. This is, this is just not for me. This is, this is, is going to affect a lot, a lot of people. And, I said, and as I said, it's just going to promote harmony. All right. Well, Jean and Michelle, it's been wonderful to talk to you. The uh, website is templeweddingpetition.org, and we'll put a link up to that on, on our site. And I think they can contact you, um, you both there. Is that right? Yes. Yes, they can. There's a contact page, and they can put comments in there. They can send us their stories if they want to, and they can download the petition from that site. They can read it first. They can download it, and then they can sign it physically and then put it in an envelope and send it to the address that comes up when they've signed, when they've put their name in the boxes. Wonderful. It'll be uh, interesting to watch this pan out and to see what the uh, church's response is. Uh, yeah, it will be interesting. I hope that they'll listen with compassionate hearts and not just think that we're um, bitter apostates, but that we, we have a genuine concern here, and uh, we, we'd really like to see this change come about. Other changes have happened in the church as people have brought things to their attention. Some people have mentioned steadying the ark, and uh, I suppose that people could look at it that way, that, you know, you're telling the church how they should run the church, but I, I don't think that this is a first occasion. I think that's happened many times before, and if they're humble men, they, they should listen to the requests of the people and say, perhaps this is something we should consider. I agree. Well, I wish you both all the, the best luck in your endeavor here. Okay, thank you, John. Thank you so much. Thanks um, for having us on the show. You're welcome. As always, okay. the uh, discussion continues on the uh, website at mormonexpression.com. You can uh, contact us at mail at mormonexpression.com or call us at 801 Nine zero six six seven two two.